Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great. Yeah. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Grab life big. All right, GoBros. Got a great GoBro in the room. Mr. Fred Hubler is on the line from deep down in Pennsylvania. Fred, welcome to the GoBro room. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, Fred, why don't you give our brothers a rundown of like uh, who you are from, like your life story from the day you were born till today. All right. So I am the youngest of three. I am a oops baby. Uh, my brother is 12 years older. My sister was 10 years older. And I knew something was different about me when I was 15. And my dad made me the executor of the will. And I said, but we have Joey and we have Sue. And my dad's like, yeah, no, you're going to be the executor of the will. Um, only kid to go to college and uh, worked at Unisys as my first job out of, out of college. Kept going to college. So I have an MBA and, and, you know, no regrets of getting an MBA, but everyone I know who's really rich doesn't really have an MBA. So, you know, I'm not a, uh, not a college, have to go to college type of guy. Um, my biggest thing I did at Unisys was I was in charge of Y2K. And so the fun part was I, I never missed a day of work. I came in after wisdom teeth coming out and I looked like a, a chipmunk and the boss's boss called me up. Uh, my name's Fred. He called me Frank. He said, sit down, Frank. I got something for you. And he told me January 1st of 1999 that I was in charge of all of the country's Y2K. Um, so in that, in that endeavor, uh, I found out that my servers were in charge of or the backup for the World Trade Center and the New York Stock Exchange. And long story short, we didn't have enough hardware to cover if all those things uh, failed. We didn't have enough hardware to, to, tra- to put them on to. And I, I, I went to the boss and said, listen... If they fail, and they all fail, then I can't protect all of them. I only have enough hardware for one. And he's like, well, then you'll be the guy that, you know, makes Unisys go bankrupt. So that was my executive uh, walk up the ladder. And then at the end of it, I didn't get the raise or the promotion I was promised. And I left corporate America, and I've never looked back. I decided to do something on my own. Uh, The sacrifice, who I think all of our GoBros have sacrificed, cost me my Corvette, my house, and my wife. Um, and because I was divorced, I could put all of my energy into starting my own business. And, um, ironically, all I got was my Jack Russell Terrier. He's the most, was the most expensive Jack Russell Terrier in the world. And he was worth every penny. So he was happy when I came home from work, no matter how long I was, I brought him to work. Um, and for a while he was my, my silent partner that really wasn't very silent. So that, that got me to, uh, my first day in investing was 9-11, um, Markets weren't open. It was surreal. My dad called and said, you really need to go back to Unisys, I think. And, and I'm, I'm the risk taker of the family. And to me, that's why I got where I'm at. And so I did not go back to Unisys. I, I stuck it through. I thought 2001, nothing could be worse than that. And then 2005 and then 2008. 
So I've uh, I've been the whole industry in financial services without during without being during a, a a bull market where you can get the ticker wrong and still make people's money. So very conservative, uh, very anti-establishment strategies. Uh, stocks and bonds never make anyone rich. Typically, uh, they might keep you diversified, but they don't make anybody rich. And you know uh, the, the band of brothers that we call GoBundance, a lot of them uh, see what see the world through the eyes I see it. Private businesses real estate, things that aren't a ticker, that's how you create wealth. And frankly, if the whole world knew it, it wouldn't make us that much money anyway. So I'm happy that, you know, it's, it's information. It's kind of like Masonic information. We need to keep it in our families and keep it within the brothers. Um, like anything else, if everyone did it, it probably wouldn't work as well. So that got me to today, remarried, um, happily married with uh, two kids, uh, Abby and James, uh, twin, boy-girl twins. And they are the, the reason... Um, that I, my passion, I, I want to leave a legacy. I want them to be proud of dad. I was 37 when I had them. So golf is probably going to be the only, um, sport we're going to have in common. Cause you know, tag football when dad's 70 is probably not going to be, you know, the best <laughs> thing for me. Um, but they're keeping me young and sometimes they make me feel old, but they're definitely keeping me young. Cause that is my, my life in a nutshell. We're now in 11 States and we'll talk about business later, but we're, uh, we're good. That's awesome, dude. So, um, well, let's talk about it now. What, what does that mean in 11 states? What do you do? So um, after 9-11, I was with Edward Jones. And you know, at 9-11, I was with Edward Jones. Lasted there two years and decided I didn't want to be a commissioned sales guy. Um, and that the only way they made money was selling stuff. Um, and whether it made money or not, they made their money on commission. So um, probably like all of us, the right people showed up at the right time. And my landlord came every week at my Edward Jones office and he had money. I could tell he had money. He didn't, he didn't flaunt it. And, and I, I, he was emptying my, dish, uh, my uh, trash can. And I said, hey, Bob, can I ask you how you made money? Because lost my wife, lost my Corvette, you know, trying to sell ice to Eskimos after 9-11. Uh, and he talked to me about annuity arbitrage, which was back in the day, you know, do an annuity, get income, get life insurance to replace within the annuity, and you live off the spread. Uh, he only did six or seven cases a year, but he'd do it for 10 $20, million dollar you know, sold a business, don't want to be in the market, just want to have, you know, passive income. Um, that strategy isn't perfect today because of interest rates. So long story short, I couldn't do that at Edward Jones. I went to my biggest client and said, hey, if I leave Edward Jones, will you come with me? Because then I can do this and give you 10% return with no market risk. And um, she said yes. And, and so that started me. I, I left town. I went into uh, what became a cube, then the whole floor. And now I have a building in Valley Forge that the whole thing's mine. And, um, we do retainer-based planning, so we don't require any assets to be with us. A little bit of a page out of the Blue Ocean strategy. The, the value proposition for financial services is asinine. It either says, buy something from me, I make a commission, but trust it's for you, better for you than for me, which is 90% of the market. Or the 10% of the market a says, give me it. Yeah, yeah. 90%, the other side, 80%, right? A whole life, all that. Yeah, there's, there's some real shitty thing. Now, can I curse on here? There's some real crappy stuff. Yeah, yeah. fuck, fuck shit. All right. <laughs> All right. So the, the other part, the other 10% of the world is um, people that, people that um, will say, give me all your money, I'll charge you a fee, and then I'll give you a plan. And that, yep. presupposes, that presupposes that they should have your money in the plan. And, and that's a, a, a stupid yeah, idea. Stop, so, stop right there. That presupposes. Yeah. So if you're going to give me $200 million or $2,000, right. whatever it is, and I charge you a fee to give you a plan, 
that presupposes that at part of the plan was you should have given Fred the $200,000. So a perfect example of why that's not the real world is one of my clients owns nine Wendy's. He called me a couple months ago and says, I want to give you 300,000. What can you do with it? I said, let me call you back. I called him back and said, you need to redo your Wendy's. It's like, what do you mean? I said, you get a 35% return on investment within 12 months when you redo a Wendy's. There's nothing you could possibly put through me, through anybody that will give you a 35% return. And he said, you don't want my money. I'm like, no, I want your net worth to grow up. You know, that's what I charge you on is your total net worth. So we're helping you make better choices about money. Now, if I was at Edward Jones or if I was an insurance only guy, I would have said, oh, of course, I'll, I'll absorb that 300,000, sell you a, a, you know, a big fat commission product, but his net worth wouldn't have been better. I get it. So and no then you, just, you just charged him, you know, like a lawyer would for your hourly time. We charge him a flat retainer for the year based on net worth. If the following year um, the net worth is up, you know, because of things we did, we're not going to take credit for stuff he did outside of us. Uh, we do asset management if they need to, but in the first year, we, we, don't, we don't have that. We, we restrict assets with us in the first year. So where we add value, uh, and Pat, as you know, I'm in Vanguard's backyard. I'll never be bigger. I'll never be cheaper. So let's leave stuff that needs to be in a Vanguard type thing. And there's a place for that. Leave it at Vanguard. Don't charge shit on it. And then I'll do the alternative investments. I'll do the private equity. I'll do the, you know, the private, the things that you'll never get at Vanguard that are a small subset. We do that part. And then more importantly, most of our clients are worth two to 20 million and their time is a lot more valuable than our retainer. So they send us the email, Hey, I'm a working executive might be worth 7 million, but it's all in the 401 clay at GlaxoSmithKline. So, he still has kids to go through college, still has all this other stuff that we need to do. And at the end of the day, I, we give them the advice and agnostic of where the assets are. So we wow. do look so at real estate. So, you won't, like, so when someone like you get a new client and let's say they got $4 million in Merrill Lynch in like eight different type of accounts for their kids, uh, educational IRAs and retirement accounts for them and for their wife and all that, you're like, hey, don't mess with that. Just leave it there. And I'm going to give you something in writing that says, you know, what, in my expert opinion, you should be doing to get your net worth from $4 million to $8 million. Absolutely. So sometimes what's there, as you said, are, are bloated, ugly commission products. So if it needs to be long-term passive investment, we go, might go from a Merrill Lynch to a Vanguard at Vanguard outside of us. We don't charge anything for it. And the returns automatically are going to be more because there's no fees and no commissions. Um, we don't do that the first year, and obviously, if the Merrill Lynch guy is the guy's brother-in-law, we tread very lightly. But over time, we honestly get more assets because clients eventually know that we're separating the advice from the asset allocation. Your iPhone can do great asset allocation. You don't need me for asset allocation. You need me to tell you not to buy the yacht. You need me to tell you you need a prenup. You need me to tell you the stuff that you know you should do, but no one else is doing it. And one of the things, one of the deliverables we gave is, um, and I call them my cigar moments. I built my company 15 years ago with a cigar in my mouth saying, what would I want, you know, what do I want to do? And, and I read that people, if you change the question, you get a better answer. So Bill Gates, his question was, how can I be the intelligence that runs all computers? Completely different question than how do I write DOS? My question is, how do I change the way financial advice is given to the people that are willing to pay for it? And so that is take asset allocation off the table, um, use any product anywhere, work with everybody. And one of the things we tell our clients is we'll have meetings about you without you. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not your accountant. They know where the bodies are buried. I'm going to bring them to the table. And I'm going to say, okay, 
what has Pat, what have you been trying to get Pat to do for the last 15 years and he won't do? And, oh, he needs a simple or he needs life insurance. He needs a will updated. I'll come back to the client and say, listen, you need this. And now for whatever reason, because you paid us and because, you know, we have no valid, we're not going to make any money if you get a will. We're not going to make any money if you get your taxes. And when it comes to taxes, we look at the CPA. There's two types, those that keep score and those that play the game. And I want you to be working with people to play the game. And there's a lot that know how to do it. There's a lot that think they know how to do it. And, and you know, we, we can tell that they don't. Um, so I know that was longer than five minutes. But basically, we're changing the way advice is given. Um, I love it, we're dude. not your typical advisor. It's fascinating. Um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's good stuff. So, well, let's get into some one, uh, one sheet nitty-gritty. Let's talk a little bit about Fred. What, um, first of all, Fred, what percentage are you? So I am uh, five in the strict GoBundance way of not having to work for it. I am probably a 40 because my current practice, I'm building to be a million-dollar passive income stream without me having to do any work. So I've replaced a lot of the stuff I do. Every family gets a CFP who's not me, which means I do business development, strategy development, and then I hand it off and get out of the way. So the short answer is 5%. Um, the big answer is I'm working to be 100% from Creative Capital, which is 100% my company, without me having to show up for work. And I'm not there yet, but working on it. Okay. So 5%. So meaning you have, you have side investments that pay 5% of your monthly family's cost. I have rental properties that that's care. You know, that, that's, that is earmarked for it. I have a ton of stuff in IRAs that I don't count. So, you know, I could, I could weasel this and say 17 and back it up with well, numbers. Could, but you know, yeah, because here's figures, what counts. Short-term cap, short capital gains, and long-term capital gains count, provide, you know, when they're sold. So if, you're, if, you know, if your account is rising, but you're not selling anything, it doesn't count. But if you have, you know, every quarter you're selling off shit and you're making five grand profit every time you sell off something, then you have 20 grand passive or horizontal income. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. And I probably have, so the number's five, but that's probably five with an asterisk. So that's, it's probably double digits. I got a bunch okay. of uh, new stuff with GoBundance guys that just haven't come online yet. Uh, probably deployed about 300,000 in passive income investments that just haven't done the income yet. So I, okay, I drank cool. the Kool-Aid a little <laughs> bit behind, but I drank the Kool-Aid. No problem. All right. Well, um, what's your net worth? 2.7. Okay. And how much of that is creative investments? Probably less than a million. Okay. And where's the other one seven? I have it in uh, private equity, some private debt, um, some investments. You know, I, I eat my own dog food. So we have, I, I do see a way for super funded life insurance. So there's a couple hundred thousand in that, but I, I built the policy to have the least amount of life insurance needed to be legally life insurance versus a lot of these people, you know, say one thing, but when they build it, they, they put a lot more commissional shit in it. Um, I know how to do it right. I did it for myself. So I'd say a lot of it is real estate, uh, real real estate, and then also institutional real estate. Um, uh, KKR, uh, Carlisle are two private equity firms that we've given some long-term money to. Um, and then my dad died in January. So I got, you know, a couple hundred thousand from him that I put out there uh, in, in private equity, a North Carolina GoBro deal. Um, and when that comes in, I'm just going to roll it into other passive uh, real estate stuff. Okay, cool. All right. And uh, so let's talk about your life happiness index, scale of 1 to 10. Um, where is your LHI? I am a 7 because I'm very frustrated that 
15 years in the business, I'm not already retired. Um, although I have a great, you know, income and obviously the older my kids get, the less fancy dad's cars get. So I, I now I went from an Audi and an Infiniti. I told a friend of me, uh, a GoPro guy, I'm like, yeah, I have a, Ma- a Mazda Arati. He's like, I have a Maserati too. I'm like, no, no, I have a Mazda Arati. <laughs> He's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, never mind. So, uh, and again, I would, you know, they're worth every penny. So uh, seven is the life af- uh, happiness index. And I think that'll go up before the end of the year. Um, in 18 months, lost my mom, my dad, and my dog. So that kind of Jeez. puts a, a Sorry you know, about that, dude. shit happens. That's okay. You know, um, the good news is they both were on hospice. So I got to say goodbye. The bad news is they both were on hospice within 18 months of each other. Um, but you know, there's, there's some plus sides there, uh, during the time that dad was still alive and mom had already passed, I was in charge of everything. And for those of our brothers that, you know, are dealing with aging parents, you know, having daily calls from someone at the home cause dad fell, it just gets tiring. So, I think that's a big piece of where the why it's a seven and not a not an eight and a half or nine, but it will be because you know we're good now. Well, let's look into that. So um, you know the six pillars of abundance, right? Or horizontal income, extreme accountability, age-defying health, genuine contribution, bucket list adventures, and incredible relationships. What? Uh, which one of those six? does Fred Hubler suck at? I have always been unhappy with uh, the financials. Um, I've had brilliant ideas that the marketplace hasn't necessarily, you know, uh, warranted or valued. Um, And I now have a wife that I need to, you know, keep happy financially. And and she's a stay-at-home mom raising the kids. So I I have learned a lot. And really, it's, it's running with a faster group. I've learned a lot from my go brothers, you know, my go bros and, 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 you know, they seeing people have more than me. Um, I'm not jealous. I'm happy for them and it inspires me. So I think that's, that's what I, that's why I joined go abundance. That's what I think I, I, I see more, um, opportunity there than everywhere else. Cause that's stuff that you get exposed to things you didn't see before and you can then incorporate it in, in your everyday life. So I think the, uh, 2.7 is not a bad number, but I know people that, you know, 27.7 and they're not different than me and how they, you know, how they work. They just took more opportunities or they're able to have structure things. And so I need, I have some catch up to do. I'd like to have some, you know, some zeros in front of, or behind that, not in front, but in, behind that 2.7, I'd like to have some zeros. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, then it seems like uh, extreme accountability is the, you know, because net worth is not a pillar. So it would have to be extreme accountability and or horizontal income, I guess, uh, would be one too. Um, but uh, but uh, so we'll have to make sure that your GoPod and that uh, your brothers keep you accountable in some way, shape or form to, uh, to walking your talk, right? You can't advise... Yeah, sure people with uh, nine, 10 figure net worths without uh, being on your way there yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your health. How much do you weigh? Uh, Once I wrote this down somewhere, 170. What do you want to weigh? 160, 150 maybe. I'm stocky with muscle, so I don't want to go down too much. I just want my, my body fat to be less. I have a scale that tells me I'm in in the 24, 25% range. And I think that needs to be, you know, How tall are you? 15. I'm five, four. Okay. So you're five, four, one seventy. 
So if you were 5'4", 150, 155, 160, that's your ideal. What is your, like, what is your routine? Do you have an, uh, do you exercise? Um, what is your diet like? I think, well, the diets, I've been starting uh, the Bulletproof diet. And I've okay. gotten a lot of, you know, I was 178 when the, all the, when everyone was dying around me. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I must have been a stress eater. Uh, I have no recollection of eating any more than I normally did. I just think I was eating shit and, and you know, doing what I needed to do to recover. Um, and doing the bulletproof and then doing the, I have a standing desk now. I've had a standing desk for a while. Uh, I moved my office to the third floor. So every time I print something, I got to walk a flight of steps, which is great. Um, and we bought a mountain house uh, in 2015, and so me and the kids and the wife, you know, we do a lot of more walks there. So I'm trying to incorporate things. I am not the kind of guy that can stand on a treadmill. My, my, my mind just gets me anywhere else. Um, so when I go down to the basement to go on the treadmill, I see my beautiful drum set, and I play my balls off, and I have a lot more fun. And at least my Apple Watch gives me freaking credit for it. It's like, oh, you knocked it through. <laughs> yeah, that's cheating. You know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I had a niece uh, so I got doing that. More. She was getting like... 30,000 steps a day, and it was because she was playing that cups game where she has to tap and pick up a cup and all that. I'm like, man, you're awesome. walking your ass off and ends up <laughs> sitting on the couch playing cups. So I need to work out more, but in a way that works for me not to work out. The Bulletproof has been working on me, and I'm doing intermittent fasting, just watching what I eat. I read something, and I know it sounds fortune cookie-ish, but basically eat for the body you want. That's changed the whole ball game for me. I see something, and I'm like, all right, is that going to give me the body I want? The answer is no, I don't do it. Uh, and then cutting back on beer, I, I've lost three inches around my waist. Um, so that part, the, health, the, the diet part's working. The health part, I know I need to do more. Um, I need to get the kids to go out to play golf with me, and we'll walk. I mean, I'll do that every day if it's fun and if it's entertaining. I just need to play, I need to play the game. I need to play myself so it's a game, not exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about your greatest hits. If I had to go back in time over the last, um, how old are you? I am 44. Okay. So the last 44 years and I had to pick out, eh, make a greatest hits album, Fred Hubler greatest <laughs> hits album. What are the five most poignant moments? The moments where they were like, wow, the aha moments of your life. Pick five of them. What are, what are right. Fred's greatest hits? So probably not, not in the right order, but uh, number one, when I became self-employed, all the right people showed up when and how I needed them. Uh, number two was the worst and then best part, the divorce, as we talked about, gave me the time and energy to double down on, on my idea of being a retainer-based wealth management company or at least not a sales guide, Edward Jones. Uh, I think number three was Y2K. Overnight, I went from zero people reporting to me to 497, and then January 1st, back down to zero. Um, I did it. No one ever did it before. We were in uncharted territory. Whenever I see something that looks like I can't do it, I just remembered when I was a 27-year-old, you know, snot-nosed, wet-behind-the-ear wet behind kid, I, I ran a 500-group, you know, corporate division. Uh, and the best part of that is I had to give um, I had to give uh, updates to uh, the CEO at Unisys once a month. And I go to the meeting and the secretary said, son, I think you're in the wrong room. This is for the Y2K, you know, um, war room, or whatever. I said, okay, well, I'll be out here if they want to know what engineering in North America is doing. And, and so that, that to me, that jazzes me. When someone thinks I can't do it or they don't think I belong and it turns out I'm the guest speaker of the, you know, I'm the reason they're there, that, that gives me the kind of goosebumps I love. Um, I think the other thing, I was a young kid. I, uh, back 
when Radio Shack actually, you know, was around 1987, uh, Science Fair, I made a uh, fiber optic telephone. Now, it only went one way, but I was, in 1987, I was 15 years old. I made a fiber optic telephone. I won first place in physics, and I've had never had dorkier people, you know, look at me like I was a god, and I probably could have, you know, had a whole other group of friends in high school if I, if I leveraged that. Um, but in my mind, I won first place. Where else is there to go? I'm, I'm out of there. Uh, and I think the last thing would be in, in a short period of time, uh, a couple of years ago, I got recognized by the Wall Street Journal, Christian Science Monitor, Kiplinger's an American banker. And these aren't paid articles. These are people calling me. The Wall Street Journal called so many times. I didn't take the call. I thought they were trying to sell a subscription. And my office manager told me, it's like, well, you just take the goddamn call. They want to interview you. And so if you Google my name, you'll see the, you know, the interview. And the funny part was I asked the lady, I said, well, who, you know, who, do you, who did you interview before me? She goes, oh, I just got off the phone with John Hamm, the, uh, the, you know, the, guest, the big star from Mad Men. I said, well, I am not tall, dark, or handsome, but my wife thinks I'm short, cute, and, you know. What, 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 what was it about? Why, why? What was all this? Well, she, so so uh, for me, they wanted to know how we're using alternative investments. Um, you know, and, and so and we they ran an the article. Journal, they ran an article about it. Uh, I obviously wanted to tell products. I wasn't trying to sell anything, but there's a place. There, there's a whole place. If you look at Harvard, Yale, and Calpers, 80, 70 percent of their money is not in the stock market. They're not even in the casino that the rest of us are are stuck with. If you're investing, are stuck. So it's 70, 80 percent of their money is in the stuff your go bros are about know. franchising. Um, this concept. I mean, you, how can you disrupt an industry without without you know, getting out of Pennsylvania with it. Yeah, no, well, we're in 11 states, so that's just me dealing with 11 families in other states or our family. I, yeah. I tried to do an affiliate program, um, and what I found out was independent people, and I'm independent, um, they don't want to be told what to do. The Wall Street, the, the guys that work for Wells Fargo and, and Merrill Lynch, they have a job. They don't want, even though I think their job is riskier than my job, they don't want to leave the comfort of the job. Um, so I need to find people that either want to leave their job and start their own thing under my brand. And, and so the thought was there, but I've tried to go to other independent guys, and they're, they're, my, they're my elders. They're 56 years old, and they still don't make what I make, yet that's not validity enough for them. They like to do it their way. And frankly, there's a ton of people that are living a lifestyle. They make $200,000 a year. They cover all their costs. All their clients are friends, and that's, that's good for them. Um, I, you know, I, I, I want to change the world, and I can't do that making $200,000 a year. Um, so, yeah, I would love to talk to anybody. I am a principal. I have the, you know, I have all the things you need to do to do that. And we tried that, and I decided just to double down and invest in technology. So we now have three people, and we used to have six. And we're in 11 states, when we used to be in three. So uh, technology has been a big thing uh, that, I, that I did. And um, after six years, I fired someone who I thought I couldn't live without. And it turns out she was stifling the whole the whole, you know, the whole thing. So getting the right people around you and making the big decisions for you versus trying to be nice to everybody, I think is a, is a big thing. That's awesome, dude. Okay. Future greatest hits, buddy. What are the five future greatest hits you want to see? Sure. I would love to be on a private jet. Uh, I'd love to take the family on a private jet. Um, I'd like to take a month off and travel. I'd like to take a month off in front of blue water. Hopefully not consecutive because, you know, I don't have that much of my shit together. Um, I met Phil Collins when I was 13. I didn't know who he was. I didn't get his autograph. It <laughs> pains me to this day. So Did I would you like hold to the meet door Phil open Collins. For him or something? 
my my brother um, is an, was a, is a video engineer. His motorcycle wouldn't start. He called me to you know called my mom to pick him up. She brought me with him. So we're sitting in the waiting room. Three guys showed up. It was all three of Genesis: Phil Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford, and Tony Banks. Phil talked to to me. He goes, "Hello, young man. How are you?" And he goes, "Well, hello, young lady." You know, and and walks away. And and my brother comes up to me. He goes, "Do you know who that was?" And he's my older brother. So you know, uh, if anyone has an older brother, this will probably you know, resonate with him. I was like, no, is that your boss? He's like, no, dick breath. That was Phil Collins. Go get his autograph. So my mom gets the obligatory big pen out of her purse that every mom had. And I think I, it was on the back of a lottery ticket. And I go down an, an aisle with a red light spinning. And I, you know, it says do not enter. So I come back out. I'm like, Joe, it said do not enter. What's that mean? It's like, that means you missed your opportunity. So, and he didn't want to wait. I'm like, well, can we wait? I mean, if this guy's important, I want to. And that was right before his superstardom of the 80s it was you know early 80s and so i'd like to take full credit for all of the phil collins in the 80s because he didn't really take off until after he met me um and i'm going to tell him that when i when i meet him so that's one of my bucket lists right. and then uh, you're you hurry up you know dude's getting old i know he looks like he looks like hell um uh, and europe with the family i've never been to europe and i want to take the family and i want to be in a position to be there and not worry about who's running the office and how i'm going to pay for it so that's my that's my top five yeah those are easy man you should be able to do those, no problem. I mean, they're all they're cool. they're all awesome. I just I took my kid, you know, before my kids graduated high school. I think they were like a sophomore and maybe a junior or sophomore and freshman. Actually, my my goal was before they actually uh, got jobs. So because uh, I wanted them to work in the summer times. So before they were old enough to get jobs, I had the same goal as you, my wife, and two daughters, and and I went on like a three week plus cruise plus to uh to let's see greece italy france turkey spain and so you know we spent some time you know flying in and out i think we went to london too and london and um you know and then we spent like two weeks on a boat that stopped off in all these ports in greece and stuff and it was awesome, man, and and uh, I was so glad I did it before they were, you know, too old. So that's that's definitely can be created. You know, you just have to save the money and pull the trigger. That's it. You know, you got it. Well, I, I'll take. Uh, I'll use Hyben Travel Agency when it comes to that time. I'll, I'll call you and ask you how you did it. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Well, listen, this, this this has been great, Fred. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm going to put all of Fred's information, guys, in the show notes here. And uh, Fred, look forward to meeting you face to face. You come in the steamboat. You got it. I will. I'll, I'll be out there. I'll buy you a drink. All right. Sounds like a plan, my brother. Have a great day and thanks for your time. You too. Thanks, Pat. Take care, man. Bye bye. Grab life big. <laughs> <laughs>